Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, Mark Bergman returns to Montreal for the first time since being fired last year, and it's the Friday mailbag. We're going to talk if Yuri Slavkovsky can be like Tage Thompson, which World Juniors prospect is going to have a chip on their shoulder, and can Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield be NHL All-Stars? All that and more inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 743 of Locked On Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. If you're listening to this, wherever you get your daily podcast, thank you so much for subscribing. And if you are watching us on YouTube, thank you so much for subscribing there. Make sure you ring the bell so you get notified every time we post a new video or we go live, etc., etc. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and as always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura... It's a reunion of sorts this weekend in Montreal, but before we get into that, how are you doing as we get closer and closer to uh, the weekend uh, for both of us? It's Friday, and I love the mailbag episode, but I think I think people kind of wanna want to see how it goes with uh, with this very. I don't think it was a wait at all at all, but now that it's here, people are curious about this reunion. I think. And that reunion, of course, is Philip Deneau returning to one. No, 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 no. We have another reunion uh, with the LA Kings coming to Montreal to play the Canadians uh, at the Bell Center. I believe it's actually around this time last year, give or take a a week or so, that uh, Mark Bergevin was fired as general manager of the Montreal Canadiens or relieved of his duties or whatever we want to call it. And Jeff Gordon came in as uh executive vice president or what of hockey operation or whatever it is that he does to help run the team until they were able to find another general manager which obviously ended up being one kent hughes i i could be wrong i'm not counting the nhl draft because that is its own thing i believe this is the first time that the canadians and kings will play in montreal since bergevin was fired he is now an advisor to general manager rob blake uh, in Los Angeles, I'm very curious about what this reunion is going to look like or what kind of, if there is some kind of video message for Mark Bergevin here, what the general reaction is, because we, we've talked a lot about his tenure here. It was uneven with very, very high peaks and very, very low lows in there. And it, kind of let there do not so much Mark Bergevin himself, but whether you believed in his style of GMing or not kind of put a little bit of separation in this fan base here. I'm very curious to see what the reaction will be like. If there is some kind of, I don't want to say ceremony, but a video package, you know, thanking Mark Bergevin and whatnot for his time here, because he was a very charismatic person and he did bring the Canadians to a Stanley Cup for the first time in what was that? Um, God, I'm very bad at math. 18 18 years, years? 28 years. No, 28 years. I'm very, very bad at math. Wasn't a Stanley Cup, though, was a final. 
a Stanley Cup final. Because yes. you know every nerd is going to be on your case about this. Oh, get in line. Get in line. Yeah, <laughs> on my case about being bad at math. But Laura, I'm curious what you think because I think you know obviously people will if he is there, which he might not travel with the team. I don't have those things. I think he will get a nice ovation. I think there will be you know some good memories to look back on there, and then it's business as usual. But I don't expect people to boo him, but I don't not expect people to boo him at the same time. I think I don't think he'll get booed. I just wonder how loud the cheers will be because there's a couple of things. He brought Nick Suzuki and he brought Cole Caulfield to Montreal. That was brilliant. Even though the rumors have it that Nick Suzuki was not his choice in that trade. But, you know, that's one good thing that he did. And he also brought the the Canadians to a cup final, which is something that we hadn't seen in a long time. So I think people will be appreciative of that. However, the end was not so glorious. So that is something that it, it depends on how recent it is, right? Like for us now, it's been a year. We see a new future. There's a new, not just a new management group, but there's a new hope in Montreal. So I think I'm just going to keep talking about the Canadians as though they're Star Wars uh, installments. Um, <laughs> so A New Hope uh, in Montreal is, is what it is. So I, I think people will be appreciative of that time. I just don't know if they're going to be as effusive with their praise, given, you know, the, the shakiness of the end of his tenure. And also just in general, like it was very, very mixed his his time in Montreal. And with that, as I, I looked this up while Laura was talking and I'm listening here, he was fired on November 28th, 2021. So we passed that date last week, which uh, was surprisingly quiet on Hab's Twitter, all things considered. You know, usually when we have an anniversary of a date or something like that, there's all kinds of discourse about it. So I think that sends kind of a message of where the fan base is at with this. Not that, you know, I think everyone's kind of moved on into this and that a lot of people have accepted we are in, you know, the new hope, the next generation of things here, and that there's no reason to linger on the past. And I think that's something, admittedly, as a fan base, myself included, uh, has been a struggle in the past and that we tend to stick in uh, old ways or, you know, being focused on them for so long. I imagine he will be here just because I do think uh, for someone who spent almost a decade, which is a wild, wild thought overall here, I do think it means a lot to him. He's obviously uh, from Quebec and I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't be there, even if it's just for, you know, the beginning of the game, there's some kind of video and everything as he's there with the uh, staff. Cause I imagine maybe he's scouting former players and whatnot that, you know, to advise Rob Blake on. Um, I'm not going to tell people how in the crowd or on Twitter how they should react. Everyone has their own opinions on uh, Mark Bergevin's tenure, and then we've discussed them ad nauseum on this podcast. When he was good, he was great. And when he was bad, he was he was bad as a GM, which pick and choose any of the hundreds or thirties of so because they keep recycling all of them across the nhl and you'll probably get similar answers there i it, it is just wild to me how much this team has changed in a year and that's not including you know the coaching change and everything else this time last year it was jeff gordon going uh okay i'm not firing dominique ducharme and then what a month later he was firing dominique ducharme because of how badly it went um but yeah it's, it's going to be an interesting reunion this weekend, and we're going to push that aside. We will obviously talk about that game uh, afterwards on our Monday episode where we do our three up and three down as well. So make sure you're subscribed and tuned in for that. 
But this is our Friday episode. And Friday episodes mean one thing. It is the Friday mailbag where we answer all of your listener questions and everything. We have so, so, so much to get into. So it's going to be a jam-packed show. And that's all coming up next. But first, today's episode is brought to you by the folks at Bet Online. And fo- when I tell you they make sports betting easy, you can go to betonline.net. You can find the latest scores, news, odds, lines, everything you could possibly need from your betting site. You want to bet on hockey? You can bet on hockey. The NBA is in full swing. NCAA football is in bowl season. The NFL playoffs are creeping up every single day. You can find whatever you're looking for at Bet Online. You can get boxing, MMA, golf, whatever you want. BetOnline.net has that. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So go to their website now or use your mobile device to learn more. And folks, remember, Bet Online, it's where the game starts. So we are back. It is Friday. That means it is time for our Friday mailbag. And if you ever want to send us mailbag questions, we generally put out a call for them uh, earlier on Thursday at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. If you have a longer one, you want to DM it to us. That's perfectly fine too. We want to make sure that you are able to ask us whatever you're looking for. You can email long questions to us at lockdowncanadians at gmail.com as well, or in the YouTube comments, just, you know, Keep it civil. Don't be a jerk. Simple rules for everybody there. Uh, I'm going to turn the hosting duties a little bit. Oh, I will learn one day which way I need to point my hands on this show um, to my co-host, Laura. uh, What do we have in our listener mailbag today? So we've got a few questions from Haroon on Twitter. Usually we just like we order them in in, in format. We're not doing this this time. We're just going through the questions. Uh, One. With the way the team is playing, do you see them finish in the bottom five of the league? It's a very – see, like I want to say yes, but it all hinges on one very important thing, and that's how long does the goaltending stand up for? Because I, I'm looking at the NHL.com standings, and right now below them, the Anaheim Ducks, terrible. Chicago, terrible. Columbus, Jay, I love you to death. I'm sorry, they're bad. Uh, Arizona, bad. San Jose, Kyle, JD, love you guys. Bad. That's the bottom five right there. The Canadians will drop down this chart. Um, Ottawa, and I can't believe I'm saying this, should rebound at some point and be better than this. Philadelphia might stay where they are. St. Louis, if Jordan Bennington decides to stop being a petulant child and stop more than you know 75% of the pucks fired at him in a game, they should go up. Buffalo is seemingly finding their feeding going on a heater here. Uh, Nashville's uh, not that far behind too, but they've only played 23 games to Montreal's 26, and there's a two-point difference. Uh, Vancouver will co- uh, cool off. They're ahead of the Colorado Avalanche. The Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, and eventually things will even out. I think Montreal is going to finish in that 20 to 25 range. I don't think they're going to finish bottom five just based solely on the fact that they were too good to start the season. And for those of you keeping score at home, the Canadians and Florida Panthers are tied in points right now. So that means the Florida Panthers are currently out of the playoff picture or close to it, which means potentially unprotected lottery pick, which very, very good for us. What else do we have, Laura? Uh, we, we're just going to keep going with the questions from Haroon, I think. Um, we've got five. Uh, and they're really interesting questions. And a lot of the questions, obviously, this, this time around are about trades. 
Uh, it appears that selling off players isn't easy. Who do you see moving and how many trades do you see from the Habs management? Sorry, do you see the Habs management pulling off from now to before the trade deadline? I, I don't envision many. I do think there's going to be some trades to get AHL help in the near future, though. Hello, Matthew Phillips. Nice to see you. Just because I do think they want to, you know, surround the young guys there with more talent if they can. Uh, and a lot of it just depends. Teams like Colorado who are injured, are they going to want to pull the trigger and try and get themselves out of their hole right now? Or is it going to be a wait and see, you know, injury things? Like Toronto just lost Nick Robertson to injury tonight. Could they be looking for some depth forward help? Uh, a lot of it depends on other teams. I think it'll be small little things. I don't think any of the big names, if any, will move until we are within that two-week window of the trade deadline. Uh, having seen Wright versus Slifkovsky, do you believe the Habs made the right choice? Far too soon to tell. Um, I know we've talked about this a lot. Sure, Shane Wright scored. Uri Slavkovsky is playing top six minutes in a sting in the NHL for World Juniors, according to Jeff Gorton, as of right now. We're not even, what, 30 games into either of their careers. I, 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 It's far too early for me to make a call on that. Yeah, I think we need a good five or ten years, probably. And many Stanley Cups for Uri Slavkovsky first. But, you know, yes. beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> Uh, do you see Slavkovsky becoming like a Tage Thompson, but on the wing in the future? Um, so, yes, but no. Uh, I watched Tage Thompson after he got traded to Buffalo playing with the Amherst where you didn't really notice him a whole lot. And then it just everything kind of clicked. And we knew Slavkovsky was going to be a project player. We 100% knew he was going to be a project player. If he could become two-thirds of what Tage Thompson is right now, a world-destroying monster on skates, the Canadians are laughing. Uh, a lot of that, because I know Jack Han talked about this on Twitter, is that he thinks Slavkovsky has all the tools to do so. It's going to require management, coaching staff, and development to be patient with him. And it is possible. Never say never to anything. If he does, Montreal is absolutely giggling at the prospect of having... Owen Beck, Sean Farrell, Philip Mashar, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc, and then adding in a guy like Slavkovsky with that talent. Just it, it's hard to not get excited about that. But if you are setting that as a bar, it is a high bar, which required a lot of uneven bumps in the road to get there before Tage Thompson became what he is right now. I'm just going to agree with you there. Um, mostly because I don't know as much about Tage Thompson. I think I knew... I think I'm being proven wrong about what I thought I knew about Tage Thompson, if that makes sense. I I mean, that's fair. A lot of people... that To not delve too far into the discourse on Twitter today, a lot of people, a lot of very smart people were wrong about Tage Thompson, and a lot of people like me were also wrong about Tage Thompson. It happens. <laughs> I have not been around, but um, I did sense that something was going on, and I'm glad that I missed out on it. Uh, <laughs> lastly, from Haroon, uh, it, we have seen what a generational talent, what a, I'm going to start the sentence again. <laughs> we have seen what a generational talent can do, like a McDavid or, or a Leon Dreisaitl. They can take games over. 
if we don't get that in this draft, would you be disappointed that we missed out on one of the generational players? I Here's the thing is, Connor Bedard can be considered a generational talent, but bestowing a crown of that on them before they've ever played an NHL game is setting really high expectations for things. And I think we've talked about this before. Like when Montreal beat Toronto in the playoffs, it's because their superstar players, the three of them, you know, John Tavares obviously injured, weren't able to get anything going and the depth wasn't able to keep up. If you're Montreal and you have a team full of extremely talented players, but not a generational talent, and you can at least neutralize or hamper a generational talent in a game and force them to try and beat you with their other depth and it's not as good. I'm not upset about it if there's a plan in place. I don't think they're getting Connor Bedard just because I don't think they're bad enough to get Connor Bedard right now. But if you're adding a team where the Canadian strength has always been drafting a ton of depth in that, I don't see a problem with that, assuming that they have a development plan in place to make it all kind of come together at the right time. Uh, Because when it comes to generational talent, then you have to pay generational talent. When you pay generational talent, you have to sacrifice somewhere else unless the cap is really, really going up here. But that's years in the future. Obviously, not getting Connor Bedard will suck. It'll sting because Connor Bedard rules. But I have faith in the Canadians' new look front office to if they're drafting seventh overall and they get someone like a Leo Carlson or whatever, that they have a plan in place to make Leo Carlson the best version of himself that he can be. And I think that's really important as well. I, uh, I think is that, do we have time for one more in this segment or do we have to move to the next segment? Uh, we have time for one quick one for one quick one. The Habs visited. This comes from our friend Beth from the Habby hour. The Habs visited the children's hospital today. Do you think Cole Caulfield knows how to hold a baby? I hope so. Given how good like his hands are, like he has a pregame ritual in which he bounces a puck off of his stick. Like he's very clearly got very, you know, skilled hands. I hope he could hold a child. And if he can't, do not tell me this. I don't actually want to know how we discovered that Cole Caulfield cannot hold a baby at all whatsoever. Is that it for that segment? All right. So. We do have more of your mailbag questions, and we're going to get into all of those coming up next. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians. As always, if you want to send us your mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com, or in the YouTube comments, just don't be rude or a jerk. Simple, simple, simple. Laura, what else do we have in our mailbag from our listeners today? Our really good, really longtime friend Robert Rice has a question for us. If the Habs prospects are cut from their World Junior camps, who will have the biggest chip on their shoulder when they return to their regular team? I have two picks for this. One of them is Owen Beck, because I think Owen Beck will be exactly like Joshua Wall was if he was when he was cut from Team Canada. Is that he will go on to just take over OHL games with more so than he's already capable of doing. And the other one was uh, Lane Hudson. Lane Hudson's already playing with a chip on his shoulder at Boston. That's just and, his life. Yeah. And here's the thing is if he gets cut from Team USA, despite being one of the highest scoring defensemen in the NCAA, because he is tiny, 
Uh, I think that's just going to spur him to do even more incredible stuff. And quite frankly, selfishly, if he, I kind of hope he's cut because I want to see the Lane Hudson revenge tour because we've seen it before. Joshua Waugh did it. Michael McNiven years ago did that. And then who's it going to be this year? Because it's going to be someone because Team Canada always does something dumb. And so does Team USA. They're, these are not, you know, individual things. And I cannot wait to see what, you know, monster they unleash on whatever league they send them back to. The Delightful Habs Laughs asks us, will Suzuki and Caulfield both be at the All-Star game this year? If ha- if it is a fan vote, yeah, because Habs fans will stuff that ballot box just to uh, spite some stats people on Twitter um, to, make, to have them at the All-Star game. And admittedly, at least one of them deserves it. I mean, Nick Suzuki's been an all-star before, and I think that Cole Caulfield would be a great guy to have in their sh- in their uh, contests out there, like sharpshooting and all that other stuff. I don't think he's going to win hard a shot or anything, but like they do an accuracy contest, and that seems to be right up Cole Caulfield's alley, to be honest with you. Um, I think they each have an individual shot. I don't think both of them will go, but I think one or the other will definitely go. And then when Alexander Ovechkin magically comes down with bonitis, uh, the other one will go in his place. Uh, Our friend Goalie Droid. You know the kind of skilled plays that make guys like Tortorella mad? Which which one would you most like to see a Habs player do successfully? I mean, I want to see Cole Caulfield do the Michigan just because it's funny because he's short and he was like the height of the goalposts when he's going to be doing that. But I I mean, I think Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield have something ridiculous brewing like off the backboard, you know, like Nick Suzuki fires it high off the glass to Cole Caulfield and the slaughter vice versa for a goal. Or they copy something Zegras did with uh, Sonny Milano uh, in Anaheim. Like, I really want to see it. Like, a Habs Michigan would, one, destroy my Twitter mentions for a month. But at the same time, I want it. I And I want it from the most unexpected person, too. Because that's the funniest possible thing. Like, Josh Anderson, Michigan? Hell yeah. Give me that all day, brother. I want that. Just because it's going to be funny. Because I don't think either of us think he could do it. But now I want it because it's going to be ridiculous as it seems. And it's going to be so good to watch. I agree. Uh, Also, okay, so this was a question that Goalie Droid asked me uh, last week when you weren't here. And I want to ask it to you because I thought it would be really fun. Although we might have had to prep for have had to prep for this one. What is your favorite hockey statistical anomaly? (laughs) Um, I want to say it was during... I want to say it was the year Carey Price got injured after like they went 10-0-1 to start the season. There was a point in time where Joel Hanley playing like second wave power play and third pairing minutes was playing at a assist per game, point per game pace that I could not feasibly explain to anybody. I don't know how it happened. I, I will never know how it happened. But it was very, very funny to me is that that was a thing that happened at one point in time. That is a pretty good one, eh? This is why I waited for you. (laughs) Okay, so we've got a couple of questions that are both about Brock Besser. Okay, I'm just going to ask them both. 
Okay. Uh, Mimo asks, hey guys, long time without a question. So what are your thoughts on a potential Besser for Anderson swap if we don't have to add any other valuable yes. assets to the trade? Yes. Okay. Next one is from <laughs> Andrew uh, N on, on YouTube. Mailback questions. Should the Habs try to trade for Brock Besser if you are not giving up too much futures? I'm thinking to offset the money Gallagher goes the other way with Matthias Norlinder and a second pick. I wonder if that would be enough for Vancouver to agree. I I mean, he's got 16 points in 21 games this year. He's signed for, I believe, two more years at $6.5 million, coming off a season where he had 46 points in 71 games on a middling Vancouver team. He hasn't been able to get back to his peak. He reminds me a little bit of how Sean Monahan is between injuries and poor teams that he hasn't been able to – he's been solid – he hasn't fallen off quite as much due to injury, but there's the Vancouver Canucks are very weird in that. I don't see why there isn't a fit going on here in that he seems like a very quality player to have in the lineup and that something is just not right here. And if they're going to sell low on him, you take that because he seems like the kind of guy with a fresh start and with someone like Martin saying the Wii is like, be yourself when you play. We saw what he did with Kirby Doc, who was kind of lost in – Chicago, Brock Besser's got more experience and more, um, not experience, but runway basically as an NHL player to build on. And if Vancouver's intent on trading him out of there, yeah, I don't know if Gallagher's going to be the one to go. I still think Josh Anderson is that trade chip for teams, especially a team like Vancouver that seems to be liking that kind of player for better or for worse. Uh, Norlinder, who knows if they're trading Norlander, they need to get someone else back to fill in the AHL due to injuries right now. Um, but I can see something like that absolutely happening. And I'd be thrilled to have Brock Besser as a Montreal Canadian, to be quite honest. Uh, Blake G. Do you think sending Slavkovsky to the world juniors would be better for his development or would it be better for him to keep playing in the NHL? I'm of two minds. You only get one chance at a World Juniors. Obviously, the one last year was canceled due to COVID after a disastrous few games. Um, and I think it would be he would definitely want to represent Slovakia at the tournament. But as Jeff Gordon said today, the way that he's playing and the minutes that he's playing in right now, he's getting just as much valuable experience uh, in the NHL that he wouldn't get at World Juniors. It's an emotional thing versus like an actual... Um, physical thing happening right now if they were to send him cool i'm all for it if they choose to keep him there cool i'm all for it there's not really a wrong answer for what you do here uh eric brian m after several seasons at the bottom of the standings new jersey has emerged as a legitimate cup contender if the rumor that the devils want josh anderson is true what assets should hughes and gorton realistically target if he were to make a trade Alexander Holtz, um, Fabian Zetterland would be nice. Um, I don't think they're going to get either. I think it's, it all depends on how desperate New Jersey is to get him. Um, Luke Hughes would be fun, but I don't think the Devils are really willing to part with him, especially with Jack on the team there. Um, but someone like a Fabian Zetterland or I, Alex Holtz, Alexander Holtz is like a pipe dream but would be someone I would be thrilled that they were able to get in a Josh Anderson trade just because he's young. He's extremely talented, but I, um, that's setting sights very, very high. All things considered. 
So we've got two more Twitter questions. So let's do those. And then the email and the rest of the YouTube questions. Uh, let's postpone to a bonus episode, Scott, because there's some good meat in those questions. So we'll do like another 10 minute extra that we've done uh, in the past. But in the meantime, uh, we've got two questions with several potential trade options. This is from Habs with Dads, which is a great um, um, Twitter name. With several potential trade options, who do we see being trade out of Montreal first? Monaghan, Anderson, Edmondson, or anybody that I didn't list? I think Monaghan, based solely on his contract being an expiring one in that he's a lot easier for teams to pallet uh, in terms of contract expenditure. Uh, Edmondson, Gallagher, and Anderson having more term on there makes them more of a long-term thing, not a rental fix for teams trying to win the Stanley cup right now, if there's a team that thinks, okay, add this and this next year. Um, I think that's where Josh Anderson would potentially end up uh, a Mike Hoffman too, at that point as well. Um, I think Monaghan's likely the first one out. There's been a lot of smoke around Joel Edmondson. So I do wonder if Kent Hughes is already getting calls on that, even though he hasn't officially said he's on the market for anything. And they said, he's very important that they want to keep him here. Um, but I do think just because he's got one year left, Sean Monahan is the most likely to exit the team first. Our final question for today's episode is from Richard on Twitter. Who do you think the Canadians will call up from Laval for upcoming games? Uh, I think Anthony Richard should get one just based solely on his play for the Rocket. You don't lead the AHL on goals by accident. Um, I would like to see Jesse Ullinen called up too, just because I think his skill brings a much needed punch to power play two at the very least, and maybe on a line with Dodonov and if Monahan is healthy or someone else, because let them get the puck into the right areas and let uh, Olinen finish it off. And then just Anthony Richard on that fourth line, I think brings speed, brings some goal scoring that with Pitlick and Pizzetta would be a, uh, uh, and or Evans once Monahan is healthy would be a nice fun combination overall. I think I agree. All right. We're going to call that a wrap on this one. Like Laura said, we will get a bonus episode out to you with uh, more of your questions that we weren't able to get to today. We're not ignoring them. Just we have a lot and we have a time limit for episodes. As always, you want to tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, lockdown Canadians at gmail.com. As always, thank you for subscribing wherever you listen to this podcast or if you're watching on YouTube. Thank you so, so much. You can follow Laura at the active stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. And as always, folks, we will see you all next time.